0: This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on 9 to Noon to help you navigate family life. As always, if you have questions for parenting, do send them through uh, early in our conversation if you can. 9to Noon at rnz.co.nz. Text us to 2101. Tweet us at 9to Noon. How and when do children become left-handers or right-handers? Our guest is the Christchurch-based educator, speaker, author and founder of Moving Smart, Jill Connell. She says coordination in learning is vital to how the brain develops, determining how children think, feel, behave and learn. And there are lots of physical activities that can help with coordination. Jill's in our Ōtutahi Christchurch studio. Kia ora and welcome, Jill.
1: Morina Catherine.
0: Last time we talked, we touched on handwriting, but
1: how and when do kids develop hand dominance in all its forms? It's a great question, and it's a burning question, I think, because I think many people want their kids to be right-handed because they perceive that the world is a right-handed world. But nature has another plan, and that plan is determined at birth. You are are already either left-handed or right-handed. However, there is a process, a developmental process, that children work their way through in the preschool years that helps that dominance to emerge. And it's pretty critical that we make sure that kids are free to develop this in their own time and through play. So I'd, I'd like to take you through that process. If, Please. If that, yeah. So, so the first thing to understand is that Coordination is a big part of this. And coordination <coughs> excuse me, develops uh, through the development of what we call midline development. So uh, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm demonstrating with my body. Uh, you have midlines that separate your body. So left and right movements, so left side of the body, right side of the body, c- can move independently. Top and bottom can move independently, so you have a midline that 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 organises that, and you have one that uh, goes down the side of your body that allows you to do front-back kinds of movements. And when children are toddlers and in their early years, midline has not been established, so they're functioning in what we call the bilateral stage of development, and that means that neither side physically is dominant yet. Now, characteristics of a child who's bilateral are that they often uh, enjoy most, they're best at doing mirrored kinds of movements. So you see a, a young child, two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, on a on a, a balance bike, and they love doing the mirrored movement with their feet. Both sides are moving at the same time. They would find pedalling challenging because they're not develop- developmentally ready for that. If you were to observe a young child... Uh, drawing or painting, you'd often see them change hands. So they would, on the left-hand side of the page, they would draw with their left hand, and then when they wanted to draw on the other side, they'd physically change hands with the pen and uh, that means that they haven't established dominance. You also see that quite often they have what we call a motor overflow. Now, this is really interesting to watch, and I get asked this a, a lot. But you, you can imagine a child trying to use the scissors, right, and say so they put, they've put the scissors in their right hand, and then the left hand is trying to do it at the same time. It's the 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 so one both, side. both hands are working yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, they're the mirroring, and that's a really great sign for us to to know that a child hasn't yet established. Uh, Dominance hasn't established midline. Uh, you also see quite often when kids are painting or dr- playing with Play Doh and their hands are moving, their mouth's actually mirroring what they're doing. So the mouth opens and closes at the same time. And everybody thinks that's hilarious. But what that is is this motor overflow that means you can't isolate movement. And it's really critical for us at this stage to observe this and ensure that children get experiences on both sides of the body. How old typically at this stage? Well, I mean, I when I was teaching five-year-olds, some of the five-year-olds yeah. were coming in, still still not. And there's reasons for that. But, yeah. you know, I, I mean, typically you would say... Uh, Three, three for half, four—the midline starts to to okay. develop, and a really good sign of midline being ready is when kids can hop, when you know, and and skip—not skipping with a skipping rope, but the other kind of skipping. Um, so, so. That's the first stage. And then the next stage is what we call homolateral, which is one-sided movement. Oh, can I just go back a second? Of course. Uh, uh, and just, just to say that when kids are in the bilateral stage of development, really critical that adults don't inadvertently, I guess, put a pen in a right hand or a left hand, that we offer children things like if we... if the pins are out on the table you just put them out in front of the children not to one side same with setting the table the spoon and the fork try to put it at the top and not predetermining that the spoon needs to go in the right hand and the and the fork needs to go in the left hand because that will emerge over time and children will choose it's really important to let them choose because they know more than we do what their what feels right um, Homolateral is one-sided movement, so that means uh, I need to keep one side of my body still while the other side moves, and that's really tricky uh, to do. When you, for instance, when you're writing, um, lots of teachers say to me, "Oh, I, you know, kids have to sit at the table to write," and I find that when they're on the floor, they're much, or, or they put themselves in a comfortable position, they're much better with their writing, and that's often because they're struggling with the fact that they can't keep one side still. You know, when you're handwriting, you usually have one hand on the table and the other one is doing the movement. And if you haven't established that yet, you, the rest of your body's holding the other bit down. And, and that's why they put themselves in all sorts of strange positions to write. And, and my view is, let them do that. If that's, that's their process, let them do that. Let's not get too... Carried away at this stage, you know, if kids are wanting to, to write and play and experiment with paper and pencil, don't, don't overcomplicate it, right? Um, and then there is the next stage, which is uh, laterality, which is the op- opposition movement. So that means you can do something different with one side of the body while the other side does something else. So think tap your head, rub your tummy stuff at the same time, which even some adults find challenging. Um but that when when you can do things like that, marching uh, opposite, you know, opposite side of the body moving in coordinated time, um, climbing ladders, you know, you see the children doing left hand up, right hand up, so opposition, uh, crawling, skipping, all of those kinds of movements are a really good sign that, dominance is emerging. So once they can get to that stage then usually the dominant hand is starting to come to fruition. Um, I would say though that it's important for us not to predetermine that. So it can change even when you think
0: it's become clear it can change again. Okay. Yes, yes. What is it that's so important about not interfering in this process?
1: Well. Not only do you have a dominant hand, but you also have dominant eye, dominant ear, dominant foot. And for learning, particularly reading, the eye and the hand really should be the same because otherwise it confuses the brain. Now, that's not to say that many of you, your listeners, will be what we call mixed dominant. Uh, But if you let it emerge as nature meant for it to emerge? It's less confusing for the child, and we do find that kids who haven't established midline often reverse letters, write back to front, uh, write was instead of saw, on and instead of no. You know, they they m- they get things muddled up. Uh, they write uh, from the right to the left. There's a I mean, the stage most kids do that, uh, but it is absolutely related to to midline okay. and coordination so we're not
0: just talking about a dominant hand we're talking no. about a dominant side of the body that tends to work together
1: that's right high
0: yeah. um, hand eye foot okay yes yeah and the clearer that emerges and develops the less confusing it's going to be
1: yes yeah and and i just think that if you let nature take its course, if you provide experiences for children where they are enjoying opposition movement, and that's why music and movement is so fantastic for those kinds of things, because kids tend to do those things naturally. Um, And why climbing and crawling, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Making it fun for for kids uh, when they're going to clean their teeth, crawl up the the hall to go and clean your teeth, or pretend you're a, a caterpillar and you a caterpillar walking. Um, you you move your feet your feet, and then you move your hands. So you're using your midline to to differentiate top half and it's bottom half. Really important
0: because we've talked about, and I've talked to UK researchers in particular how mm-hmm. worried they are with kids basically moving less and physically playing less because of those darn devices. This is to your point. That physical coordination isn't just about physical coordination. It's about all these processes.
1: Absolutely. It's all tied in together. And, you know, uh, right from the very beginning, we actually put kids in containers a lot more than they need to. And what I mean by (laughs) containers is... We're not (laughs) necessarily doing it for their needs. (laughs) totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, an average baby, uh, sorry, a baby crawls on average for around 400 hours before it walks. And during that time, a baby is establishing motor memory, uh, learning about what it feels like to to uh, use opposition movement, establishing upper body strength, preparing the fingers for, for, you know, pincer grip and for, for gripping and all of those things. And yet, in our time we've we've introduced things like jolly jumpers and bouncy walkers chairs. and bouncy mm. chairs and mm. all of those kinds of things that you know are needed because we're busy people but the point is they shouldn't be a, a babysitter they are a, something that helps us to go from one place okay. to another. The floor is the child's gymnasium.
0: So you need to make time and space for this exploration to happen. Yes. The coordination, though, uh, the, the point I was making there was that it's not just about becoming physically coordinated. That lends in, I think you were alluding to it earlier, to learning as well, to the mm-hmm. cognitive processes as well. Could you yeah. explain more?
1: Yeah, I, I guess that the body is... Is the brain's point of reference. So when the body understands which way writing goes, when the body understands which way does the be go, the body can then uh, passes it on to the brain. Really, it's it's, it's you, you you move from physical or real to symbolic. So kids learn all of these. Uh, movement patterns that help establish an order in the brain and that in turn helps them to differentiate print symbols, understand all of those things.
0: Let's do some questions, because they're specifically about the left and right-handed of this at the moment, and then we'll talk more about how to develop coordination. I think Mm -hmm. you've alluded to this already. Some people can be mixed. Uh, This question here, when people ask if I'm right or left-handed, I have to say mixed, because I write with my right hand. I do absolutely everything else with my left. I feel Mm -hmm. left-handed. What would your guest call me? Apparently I changed (laughs) hands between the left-hand side and the right-hand side of the page when I was learning
1: to write. What would I call this person? Uh, There is a difference, can I just say, there is a difference between ambidexterity and dominance. So I would ask your listener to establish what is his or her dominant eye. Uh, And if the dominant eye is the same as the dominant hand, then the, the listener has established dominance. But what often happens is, for instance, I... I'm right-eye dominant, right-hand dominant, but I will deal cards left-handed. I will play knucklebones left-handed. And that's because it feels better. And that's what we call ambidexterity. So you can actually be both. You can be ambidextrous and have your dominance uh, sorted. Uh, and it is important for us to differentiate between the two because ambidexterity is advantageous when you're playing sport. But in the classroom... Dominance is is necessary for for writing for 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 learning for uh, processing of of the brain being a, well, the brain being able to process information. Just before we move on, because
0: there's a couple of these again, and we're going to move into a sort of a broader topic, uh, and they both relate to what might have happened in the past. There's one person saying uh, that when as as a baby showed left hand tendencies, but mum put stuff near. The right hand, and a now right-handed person, did that influence my right-hand dominance? Uh, do you want to answer that one first?
1: It, I, without knowing the person, I would I would find that difficult to answer that question. Uh, possibly. Mm.
0: Um,
1: maybe not, you know, and I don't think we need to get, it's not life threatening no. to have mixed dominance, but, but sometimes in that learning process, you know, for instance if the midline hasn't established then it affects reading because the eyes are tracking across the page and sometimes when the midline's not there, the eyes flicker and you, you lose their place or or they skip to the next line, so I mean, every every situation is different, The po- the point is that if we let nature take take hold of this um, it's hopefully. optimal Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. just one more though to leave the history behind and then we will um, this because of course there was an era where I mean I think again kids were hit weren't they for mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. for being left-handed and there was this, mm-hmm. this effort to change to right-handed he's someone who has mm-hmm. um, what are the effects of swapping naturally left-handed children I was swapped at six or seven when I started learning cursive writing being an obedient child to what I was told um, but, my preference is for drawing, printing, sewing crochets with my left um, while being unnaturally ambidextrous has many advantages. I am disadvantaged by poor coordination right now this is getting interesting, isn't it
1: It is, <laughs> and it can affect people in in many ways um, kids who it 's one of the reasons kids stutter it 's not the only reason, but it can can affect uh verbal language it can affect your coordination it can affect your uh, your reading and the ability to be able to uh, differentiate print on the paper it can affect your eye development or it may not affect you at all and it may be advantageous yeah uh, so I I don't want to be a scaremonger here what I really want to say is that uh, if your child is showing that they're going to be left-handed let that yep. establish naturally.
0: Point taken. But let's. The, the reason the coordination stuff is interesting is because this is to your next point that um, this is part of a bigger picture. The things that we can. Well, there are things that we can do and physical activities that we can do to mm. encourage
1: children with coordination. Yes. Can you pick up, please? Sure. Um, I mean, the most. Music and movement is a fantastic as I said, uh, thing for children to get involved in at an early age. Even with young babies, you know, you can put some some good music on the, on and uh, move their arms gently, open and close them. One arm goes up, one arm um, goes down, uh, bringing their opposite arm, opposite leg together. All of those things help to uh, start to establish what it feels like to start moving in opposition. Um parks where kids are climbing, um, tunnels at home, you know, make it fun at home, go to, th- to go to a store where they sell fridges and ask for a, a box that the, fr- the fridges come in and put them in your doorways so that kids can crawl through the doorways to to go up to the hall to their bedroom. All of those kinds of play experiences are fantastic where we actually get kids back down on the floor and doing the early movement patterns that help set this in place. Some kids might
0: worry about, or some parents might worry about kids hurting themselves. They're reluctant to let them take risks. Part of developing your coordination is doing things you haven't done before, and it's going to involve in some instances falling over, isn't it? I mean, you were talking about yeah. kids crawling, and trying yeah. to stand or whatever. Yeah. Um, do, again, do, do we just need to think more broadly instead of trying to make sanitise the environment and make everything safe, understand that this is an important part of development again?
1: Well... Absolutely and optimally, we want children to keep, to be safe. Uh, but, it, I mean, this is a broader topic, really. It's it's more about, I believe, our attitude. Uh, you go to the park and you hear mums and dads and grandparents, and I can be guilty of this. Uh, Don't do that, you might hurt yourself, you hear them say. And, and what that actually does, if you think about it, is it's a very negative statement, and it is a statement that if the child hears over and over and over again, can create a disposition that says, oh, I better not try that because I might hurt myself. And your body language, even though you don't say that, can sometimes create that image in a child's mind. So I try really hard, and I teach people to, to listen to what they say. And yes, you do want to be able to warn children of potential danger. But you can say something like, whoa, that looks really tricky. I wonder how we can do it safely. And when you say something like that, it then becomes a problem-solving experience for the two of you. And that teaches the child to become more aware of potential risk and danger. And it also Relieves your need to <laughs> say something, r- to say something, <laughs> and and your fear. You yeah. know, um, it's really important about uh, to to give the message. We we fear creates doubt, and when you start to doubt yourself physically, that can transfer into other areas. It's of development. extraordinary
0: to watch, even quite young children, and how sophisticated. Their, their dexterity their coordination even their peripheral vision is and I'm thinking of you know some of the gears whether it's bikes or skateboards or whatever um, or even younger than that w- when they are you know able to develop those physical skills those coordination skills those reading and judgment skills in movement they're incredibly sophisticated at it
1: they are and and I think you've hit on something really important that the, that the physical will then, Uh, move a child seamlessly into other areas, they'll be able to transfer that learning that they learn physical because when you do something, it is embedded a lot lot more than if you read about it or you, you know, I mean, I'm a kinesthetic learner I'm I'm sitting here using my hands and, and demonstrating everything to you because that's the way my I learn best and I think that children should be encouraged to try all of these things physically because it, it creates attitudes to learning as well when you can do something physically uh, you feel good about yourself you know and it and it seeps into other areas of your of your day and of your learning and and it creates who you are really and it's fun absolutely yeah Thanks very mm. Oh, there's one more question, actually. Um, okay. Was
0: watching my granddaughter try and use scissors. She's left-handed. Can you buy left-handed scissors? As she couldn't
1: use the scissors in her left hand. She's five. I don't know. I I, I presume you can. I would imagine you can buy left-handed scissors. I know there are some great scissors out there for both hands that you can buy. Uh, and that's interesting, you know, has she, does she use the scissors better with one hand than the other? Have you because blade is on the, on, That yeah. is it, different. I think you can buy scissors that are one, uh, one, one bit's sides. bigger,
0: isn't it? Yeah, one, yes. one bit of the, the loopy bit where the thumb goes yeah. is bigger. I think that's yeah. what one it might be about.
1: Does she open her mouth at the same time? She's <laughs> hey, <laughs> look, we all do
0: that. <laughs> yep. What do you do when you put your mascara on? on you open, <laughs> yeah. your, open your mouth, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Joe.